0: Well, good morning and welcome to Calvary. Glad you guys are here. My name is Dan. Uh, after the service, make sure you drop off your connection card in one of the offering boxes on the way out. And uh, we survived. We're here. Awesome. <laughs> so that that is... That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Well, we wanted to gather today uh, and uh, just have a time of fellowship. And if you've made it in today without a Bible in hand, please raise your hand. Let us bring a Bible to you. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24. We've been studying in the gospel of Matthew, and uh, we are going to not do a chapter by chapter, verse by verse study today uh, as... Um, as uh, everything kind of, you know, just like in, in your life, uh, we've been kind of putting back the pieces here at Calvary. The electricity came on on Thursday, and so we've scaled things down. There's no outline today. Children are in the service today, so I'm going to be a lot shorter than, than normal, and so uh, you'll thank me for that. So, um, um uh, we will pick up our chapter-by-chapter, verse-by-verse study next week in Matthew, provided that uh, what's out in the Atlantic doesn't hit us. Have you noticed that all major hurricanes tend to hit like on Sunday? How many of you were in, in, uh, in Andrew? back in? Yeah, well, I was there, we were there. And when did it hit? Sunday. And so where is this hurricane? Sunday. When's the next one? Sunday. And they call it an act of God? I think not. <laughs> Well, anyways, if it does. Uh, we, we're, we're gonna we're gonna be okay. <laughs> Hopefully. So we've been through hurricanes before, and certainly we're gonna face more in the future. Now, last week I was not scheduled to actually be here and teach. Pastor TJ was supposed to teach, and um, our oldest son Johnny was getting married in Long Island. So uh, we drove the family up to Long Island and we were there at the wedding. And uh, his wedding started at 5 p.m. last Sunday and then with the reception and everything went to about 1 o'clock in the morning. So there's Johnny and and his wife Lene. So it was was the most uh, weirdest surreal event because On the one hand, we're there in New York and we're celebrating this thing that we've been planning for so long, and on the other hand, uh, every one of us from Florida has our smartphones and uh, we're watching the Weather Channel continuously, checking Facebook for all of your updates. We're concerned about our family and friends down here. We we're concerned about our church family. So it was this this weird feeling of being there and celebrating and trying to be in the moment, but at the same time wondering what it is that we're coming coming back to. And uh, so I, again, the, the, the wedding ended. And then we began to get uh, uh, updates on as to how everybody did back here and lo- losing power and and uh, but hearing you know from this person and that person and but everybody was okay and that that was that was the main thing. So we began the fifteen hundred mile drive back, and um, we're there on the second day of the drive back. Now we drove there, we were there, and then we're driving back. So we had pulled it alongside of the road for a few minutes, and Pastor Drew texts me and says, "So how's it going?" And uh, so I pulled out my cell phone and I just videoed what was going on behind me. Can I share that with you today? <laughs> yes. 1,500 glorious fun-filled miles there <laughs> and then 1,500 miles back. Now, friends, I did not actually go through the hurricane, but I do believe I get some points for that. <laughs> and people say, how do you do it? Well, earplugs. <laughs> so I, I thought we'd just take a few minutes today, and you know, as I was driving back, I was just praying, what, what can I share, what can I share? And I don't know that I have anything... Really, all that, that profound. But I think about these things as we travel. And, um, and as I watched the news and as we heard and as we got home, and, and um, you know, the, the Bible says, and, and again, we don't have outlines today, so I'm just going to read a couple of verses, but we're going to look at some verses in Matthew. But it, it says, in Ecclesiastes, it says, For to everything there's a season, there's a time for every purpose unto heaven. It says, A time for every purpose unto heaven. And so when I read that, whenever I go through something, I begin to ask, God, what's your purpose? What do you want me to get? What, what do we need to get from this? And um, so a couple of things came to mind, and, and I, I just wanted, wanted to share just some things that, that I process through when we go through these times of, of difficulty. And the, the first thing that always hits me is that this isn't heaven. Have you noticed that? And uh, you know, when, when we go through a time of difficulty, those who don't know the Lord sometimes they'll say, you know, if God is such a good God, then why does? Uh, but the reality is, this isn't heaven. So when I face these things, it doesn't make me mad at God, it, it makes me look forward to the day when I'm there and these things don't happen. Jesus said it like this. <laughs> I think I just got a like from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> What was that? (laughs) Okay. But Jesus said this, he said, these things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I've overcome the world. Now he's not talking about the great tribulation, he's just talking there about just the stuff of life, the tribulations that we go through. And when you and I go through stuff like this, we're reminded once again that this isn't heaven. And that's why we look forward to the day when we go there and these things aren't taking place. So when we we lose a loved one, or a, a spouse, or there's that relationship that we thought was going to last forever, and one day we find out that it's not, or we lose a business, we go through a time of great difficulty, uh, what, whatever it is, it's those things that remind us that this is not heaven, and when we go through those, it makes us look forward to the day when we go to heaven where these things don't take place. Paul understood this. He says in second uh, Corinthians chapter five, as Paul was getting up there in years, he says, "You know we grow weary. In our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. You know, Paul Paul was looking forward to heaven because he realized this isn't heaven, and he he was looking forward to the time in the future when these things wouldn't take place. And I'm looking forward to that too. And and uh, that that's you know that that's that's an an exciting thing, exciting thing to think about what God has for us there. And, uh, you know, for some of us, it means that we no longer have to pay our student loans. And what a glorious <laughs> thing is that. I, I, think, I think in this time, you know, as, as you saw the, the van, hopefully I don't get emotional here. But, um, you know, in our family, God's blessed us with 12 kids. And uh, so the first one got married last week. And, and so it's times like this that I, I'm reminded of what's most important. What's most important? You know, as we go through through our daily lives, many times we lose sight of what's most important. But you know, when when that hurricane comes or the disaster comes, we always grab what's most important. And uh, you know, ladies, it's not like you grab your jewelry box and leave your three year old in the kitchen floor. We always grab our family, and the reason being is that our family is the most important thing in this life. In this life, that that we have, and and and. I, it was such a great reminder for me that, that sometimes, even though I, I really try to be a good dad and a good husband, but like, like, like everybody, I can be somewhat complacent about those things. But you know, when, when disaster hits, all I cared about was my family was okay, and that's what you cared about too. We wanted to see our, our loved ones okay. Well, I want to live every day like that. And I think God uses these things in our life to remind us once again what's most important. Because we came home and, and uh, like your house, you know, the fence is blown down and the, uh, the branches are everywhere and you know, all the, we had to throw out all the food just like you know, we all, all did. And, um, but, but there was this sense of um, we're okay, so it's okay. And because we can get we can replace everything else, but we can't replace this. And so in life, I want to make sure that I get what's most important right. I want to get that done. And so sometimes God uses these things in our life to remind us once again. Paul said, We brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. And and I, I love that. You know, we can't really, we didn't bring anything into the world. We can't take anything out of the world. But on that day when I leave this world, there are certain people I want to make sure are in that same place when I go. And that's this family that God has given. So once again, it's it's a reminder to to focus in on what's important. Well um, another thing, if I could just go a little bit further, and I've asked you to turn to Matthew 24. Uh, Matthew 24 um, or, or what her what this hurricane did for me uh, is is it reminds me of the time that you and I live in you know i'm i'm a fanatic about bible prophecy i'm a christian because of bible prophecy it was bible prophecy that convinced me that that this was all true all of it and and it was bible prophecy that caused me to say i'm all in come what may so in, in the old testament the Hebrew Scriptures, uh, the prophets would all talk about this one who is coming. And so for instance in, in uh, Micah he said that the Messiah, the Christ, when he would be born hundreds of years in the future he would be born in Bethlehem. Now Bethlehem is a tiny little town somewhere between three and five acres. It's nothing like what you see in the movies. It's a village out in the middle of nowhere. But it was a prophecy. And so the Christ, the Messiah, had to be born in that tiny little village out in the middle of nowhere. And if you know the story, in order to make that prophecy come true, God re, 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 just re, uh, organizes the whole known world at that time to get Mary, who lives on the other side of the country, to this tiny little town of Bethlehem. And you look at it, you know, only God could do that in order to fulfill that. If Jesus was born anywhere else, we'd say, well, close, but he's not the Messiah. In Isaiah 53 it talks about how he would be pierced through for our transgressions. In Zechariah it talks about they'll look upon him who was pierced. And what's very interesting is it describes how the Christ would die for people's sins, but it described it hundreds of years before crucifixion was even invented. Because back in ancient Israel when somebody was executed it was always through the process of stoning, stoning. And uh, so they had no concept of being pierced or crucifixion. But very accurately, 100% accurately, it, 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 it predicted that. And then in the Old Testament it said when he presents himself as the king, he'll do it by riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Who presents themselves as a king by riding a donkey? Well Jesus would do that because it would be to show humility how, he, how he's becoming our king. And so if Jesus were to write in on any other thing we'd say well it's close but, it, but, but that's, that's not what the prophecy says. So the prophecies had to be 100% in order for you and I to accept and embrace. Otherwise we say it's close but, but if it's God it's going to be 100%. There are over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that talk about his first appearing. But as much as the Bible talks about his first appearing, there's at least twice as much more that talks about his next appearing. And so here at Calvary, we take a a great interest in Bible prophecy and what the Bible has to say. And so when you read through the Bible, you find that when it talks about this, what's called the end times, there's end times that have been since Jesus uh, was here on the earth and everything after that was end times, and we get that. But there would be a certain time period, a final generation, and it would begin with an event. And the Bible calls that the rebirth of Israel. And so when you you go through in Isaiah 11 it talks about this future event where God would in the last days call his people, the Jewish people, into Israel from the four corners of the earth. Israel's the only nation that ceased to exist for almost 2,000 years and in 1948 it becomes a nation again. So Isaiah 11 talks about that. Ezekiel 36 and 37 talks about how Israel, if you've ever heard the the dry bones prophecy, and uh, it talks about how Israel would become this very desolate place, but at the last days, that final generation, it would come back to life. And he describes it as these dry bones coming back and growing flesh and now living on what was the desolate mountains of Israel. And it talks about that. And in Matthew 24 Jesus talks about this nation Israel and he says when you see it come back to life you'll know, you'll know that that generation that sees that will not pass away until everything is wrapped up. I can't wait till we get to Matthew 24 because it's the most fascinating thing. But I do want to just share a few things in Matthew 24 uh, and I'm going to pick it up in verse 1 if you're there. And it says, Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him. And he said to them, do you see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another which will not be torn down. And he was sitting on the mountains uh, uh, on the Mount of Olives. They wait a little while. He, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives the disciples came to him privately saying, they're going to ask three questions. Tell us when these things will happen. That is, when will the temple be destroyed? what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? The end of the age. So they have rightfully paired the sign of his coming with the end of the age. And Jesus then takes the rest of Matthew 24 and he answers those questions. What will be the sign of his coming and the end of the age? So he answers that. Well, uh, as he, as he does this, what I've always found very interesting, he's going to begin to answer, and I want you to, to just pay attention that as Jesus answers their question about the end of the age and his coming, that he does not say, you know, that's not really important, why do you focus in on that? Or what are you worried about? It all pans out in the end. What does Jesus say? Well in verse 4, notice what he says as he begins to answer those questions. Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. Uh, The idea is that this is important. You're not to be misled. And uh, when when he tells us, then we're responsible to do something with it. So then he begins with an overview of what that time period is going to be. And keep in mind, he's answering the question, the sign of your coming and the end of the age. So we're going to pick it up in verse 5 and he says, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. We talked a a few weeks ago about how deception is going to be one of the great signs of the end end times. And um, So he says, verse 6, he says, you'll be hearing of wars and rumors of wars, see to it that you are not frightened. I've underlined that. See to it that you are not frightened. For these things, and I've underlined, must take place. That is not yet the end. That is not yet the end. So a couple of things. First of all, as believers, as we see certain things unfold, we are not to respond with fear. Uh, Certain things are just telling us that he is close. And apparently those who are misled will be the ones who are afraid in that time period. But then another thing that that I wanted to just highlight, hopefully you underline, he says these things must take place. Did you underline that? Uh, you and I live in a generation where everybody is saying that these things will not take place and we're going to fix it. And what I want to tell you is that he's going to say some things uh, and they must take place. Always go with what Jesus says uh, rather than uh, some world leaders. So here's, here's how they must take place. Verse 7 and 8, he says, "...for nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. In various places there will be famines and earthquakes." earthquakes. Uh, but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs, merely the beginning of birth pangs. When he says that, when he uses the illustration of birth pangs, if you've ever been in labor and um, what you find, and ladies, you tell me if this is true, uh, you can be pregnant for a long period of time and you'll have some false, uh, false labor pains. You Ever had that? When Cheryl was pregnant with the twins, I think we went to the hospital like three times before you know, it was actually the, the real deal, but it really felt like the real deal. But at a certain point, labor kicks in, and when labor kicks in, the contractions begin, and what takes place is that they are, you feel like you're going to die, but uh, they, tell, they tell you in the beginning you haven't felt anything yet. Can I get a witness here? Is there's this, I've never been through it personally, but I have watched it, so, uh, so is that pretty much how it works? So, so here's how it's, it's further apart and, and less intense. But as you get further in labor, it becomes closer and closer together and more and more intense. So Jesus talks about these things. and He says they're going to be like birth pangs. As you get closer, when labor kicks in, you might say, they're going to become more and more intense and closer and closer together. So you have birth pangs. So there was the Civil War in our, in our country uh, you know, hundred and some years ago, and that was bad. But that was nothing compared to World War I, which was really bad. But I think you'll agree that was nothing compared to World War II. And uh, those were birth pangs, and they become more and more intense and closer and closer together. When um, As he's talking about natural things, in 2004, in our lifetime, we had never seen a tsunami. But we saw that tsunami that happened on the other side of the world, and it was devastating. And We as a church, we raised money, and we sent money over, and we did our part. But we thought, you know, it's the other side of the world, you know, and you know, it's not really something. And then it was just in 2011, all of a sudden, for the second time in our lifetime, something that we'd never seen is another tsunami, but this time it hit Japan. And these things are birth pangs. And so the Bible says as we get closer and closer, these things are going to be more and more intense and yet closer and closer together. There's wars and rumors of wars now, just in our country alone right now we 're at war in Afghanistan, in Iraq and Syria, and some other places that you know if you Google, you can find some other places. and he um, talks about wars and rumors of war. Uh, you have the North Korean situation, which has never been as intense as it is right now, where active missiles are shooting over other people's airspace, which is uh, uh, pretty much considered an act of war. So these are birth pangs now. Uh, th- when, when you think of that, we were focused in on the, um, the hurricane that came through. We saw Harvey and then we saw what, you know, Irma this past week. And so I, I was reading an article and it says Ap- apocalyptic September with a question mark. Here's a list of 27 major disasters that have already happened so far this month. And this came out on September 10th. Things that When the news focuses in on a hurricane, they're not focusing in on all, all the other things. So um, it it talks about two major hurricanes, unprecedented earthquake swarms and um, all-time record of rainfall from Harvey in the continental United States. uh, Hurricane Irma Irma was immensely powerful so much that it was called the lawnmower from the sky. And uh, one of the things that it highlighted was how many wildfires are raging in our country right now. Now we're not seeing it on the news because we're, we're focused in on, on Irma. California is on fire, Oregon is on fire, Washington is on fire, Alberta is on fire, uh, Montana is on fire. It lists a number of different countries that are currently, and I went and I looked up and it's over a million, of a, million acres that have already been burned. They are evacuating whole towns right now in our country. Now we're not seeing it because we're, we're very much involved in what's going on here. But these things are going on around, around our country. It says Texas is currently underwater. Then it says India, Nepal, Pakistan, Bangladesh experience record monsoons and a massive death toll. That's this month. Sierra Leone, Niger experience massive floods, mudslides, and deaths in the thousands. Uh, Italy, France, Spain, Switzerland, Hungary, Poland, Romania, Bosnia, Croatia, and Serbia are crushed in the death grip of triple-digit heat wave, and, and it's, which is called Lucifer, by the way, which they've named it. In usually chilly August, the city of San Francisco shatters all-time record at 106 degrees while it reaches 115 degrees in the south side of the city. Yellowstone Volcano is hit with a swarm of over 2,300 tremors since June. Uh, last week there was a, a earthquake in Mexico that was on 82 on the Richter scale and uh, with an imminent tsunami and the water receded by 150 meters. So the idea is that you and I live in a very interesting generation where there's, there's a lot going on. By the way, did you at least find that interesting? Yeah. Hey, this is the type of encouragement you're looking for here on Sunday morning. <laughs> so, so when you, you, you see a hurricane, that's not the sign of his coming, that's just simply one of the birth pangs along, along the way. But what I would say is that as it gets closer, as it gets closer, what you're going to find is that the birth pangs will become more and more intense and closer and closer together. So out of wisdom you would just want to, if you believe the Bible, you'd say, well I I probably need to be preparing for the things that the Bible says are going to take place. Now let me also share one other thing in Matthew 24. If you go down to verse 36, And uh, I I want you to notice, so you have on the one side you have the birth pangs, but then on the other side it says, "...but on that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven or the Son, but the Father alone." for the coming of the son of man will be just like the days of noah and jesus is speaking about his next coming which would be for the church Uh, for as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage until the day that noah entered the ark and they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away so it will be so will be the coming of the son of man There will be two men in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, and one will be left. And so the idea there is that on the one hand it will be a time period where you have these birth pangs that are going on all over, and yet on the other hand it's going to be business as usual. They're buying and they're selling, they're marrying, they're building. So we were celebrating in New York last week a wedding. At the same time down here in Florida there was another birth pang going on. Buying and selling, giving in marriage, taking in marriage and yet at the same time birth pangs. You and I live in the only generation where that's actually possible and you know about it in a worldwide sense. So what do we do? What do we do if I haven't put you to sleep yet? A couple of things. First of all, I'm not afraid of these things. I'm excited. I'm excited because as I look at Bible prophecy, I realize that we live in a very unique generation that things are becoming, or they're happening just like the Bible said. And I've only scratched the surface today. Uh, so, so I'm excited to see that what Jesus has taught, what the Bible has taught, is really coming true. That makes me believe it more. The second thing I'd want to say is in this, it causes me to trust in the Lord, it causes me to trust God. One of the things I've learned about God is that he is able to take care of his people even in the midst of great crises. That's why it says things like, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. So he's able to take care of us as we go through some of these what we might call birth pangs, these these situations. And and, uh, I would say also because it says that they're buying and selling in this time period and although there's birth pangs and they're buying and selling, giving marriage, I would say don't build a bunker. Don't build a bunker. Uh, because there's, there's still going to be an economy, there's still going to be life going on, there's still going to be buying and selling, building and planting. But I would say if you know that there are some birth pangs going on, it might be wise to prepare uh, just so that if the electricity goes off for a week or so, you're okay. That you're prepared to go through that. And uh, so think that through. But I think, even as important, if not more important, when these birth pangs hit, people begin to question. You know, people come to Jesus typically in a time of tension, transition, and trouble. And all of a sudden, they're thinking about the Lord in a way that they've never thought about Him before. And they're curious and they're asking questions. And so, when you, as a believer, you go through this because your trust is in him and your hope is not in this world but your hope is with him in eternity, they look at you and they say how do you have peace in this situation? And they're ready to hear. And if you have that, they want what you have. You've all heard the story about how when I moved in when I was 13 and with the foster family and I moved in there was a peace. For the first time in my life I experienced a peace I'd never felt before. And it was a very, very different way of living. They were believers. And the father got up every morning and he prayed for the family. And I didn't know a whole lot, but I knew one thing. Whatever they had, I wanted. I wanted. And I was ready to accept it. It's the same thing in our world today as they look on in our lives. Walk with the Lord. Allow him to use you in this time. Jesus would say it like this, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. It's a warning against them seeing your good works and glorifying you. You want them to see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You point them right to the Lord. I believe that you and I live in the most fascinating time that the world has ever known. It's an interesting generation and uh, there's a lot that the Lord wants to do in us and through us as we go forward, but we need to understand the time that we live in and be prepared as we go forward for some of the things that we might see on the horizon. Make sense? Okay. So, do I share this at the next service or? Do? Okay. All right. All right. Because you're looking at me like I have lobsters crawling out of my ears. Which uh, so. With that, here's what we've done today. We've scaled it down and uh, we have some hot dogs, we have chips, we have drinks and I think donuts and coffee and just a time of fellowship we want you to enjoy. But why don't we just take a moment and let's just, we'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for, for uh, Lord, you preserved us and uh, we're here today and we're grateful for your preservation. We're grateful, Lord, for your provision in our lives. We're grateful for your spirit, and we're grateful for our relationship with you that you revealed to us so that we could enter into that relationship with you. And yet, Lord, we realize that we live amongst many hundreds of thousands of people who right now have no relationship with you and no clue of how you've laid certain things out in your word, how it's going to be. Father, I pray that as a congregation that, Lord, first of all, your peace would indwell us and that others would see that peace. And and because of that, they would want what we have in you. I pray, God, that you would make us effective in reaching the people around us that you've placed in our lives. And then, Father, I pray that as you're speaking to them and they're receiving you, that, Lord, they would grow up in you and be the people of God that you want them to be. We pray, God, for what's taking place around the world. We're grateful that we were spared for the most, uh, the, the most part in this. We're grateful to see that, that your word is going forward. Your gospel is going forward. People are still coming into relationship with you. So a very unique time that we live in and that uh, we ask you, God, that you give us great wisdom as we go forward. Keep us until we meet again. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and all God's people said. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time.